Hello, I'm Dean. And I'm Jen. And I'm Eric. And together, this is RCSD Podcast PD. focusing on positivity amongst the pandemic um, and we have a special guest here today Steph Casper from our very own division for those of you that don't know Steph is our behavioral consultant um, you may have seen her in and around your schools or you may have um, attended one of her many sessions that she often puts on for us during PD opportunities so um, Eric do you want to start us off with our first question for Steph yeah for sure um, so Steph uh I guess with uh, this kind of uncertain um, fall that we're quickly approaching, uh, what advice do you have for teachers entering their school, knowing that we're gonna have to go into the building this fall? You know, we've talked about this a lot, Eric, um, as we wrapped up the end of the year and we actually had an opportunity to do some PD with a number of staffs around social emotional wellness um, upon return to school. And one of the major priorities we talked about was how we need to take care of ourselves and each other on our staffs and our colleagues as we prepare to re-enter because if we're going to create a safe and comforting space for our kids to re-enter we need to make sure that we feel okay with that so that we can model that that calmness so it's really important that we take time to sink into our own experiences the experiences we had um, personally while we were at home during social isolation um, supplemental learning uh, COVID, uh, how it impacted our families, how it impacted our work. And we really need to hold space with those feelings and have time to reflect on them. But then also um, on the other side of that, there's a lot of anxiousness and uncertainty with returning to school. And there's so many questions um, and a lot of things that are still unanswered. Yesterday, uh, we just saw that both the province and our school division rolled out uh, plans that outline guidelines and restrictions. Um, even myself, I was familiar with some of it, but once that document came out and it's like 26 pages and you're having a look at it, it's overwhelming and it really makes your head start to spin. And those of us who typically even aren't anxious people, you can just feel that anxiety kind of rising and building. And we need to be okay feeling that and know that it's okay to feel that. And we also have to create the time to have the conversations around that so that we feel secure in that our questions are being answered. Um, we feel okay with the plan. We feel okay with discussing our concerns, but also being able to pull out some of the highlights that happened during, um, during our time at home and some of the things that we're looking forward to going back into school. And I know as teachers, we crave connections. We all crave connections. We've been missing our students. We've been missing each other. So I think that would be what I'd really encourage people to do is, is take some time to reflect on their own experiences while they've been away from school. Um, take time to hold space and conversations with each other about our concerns um, and any questions we have moving forward. Take time to sit in some of the positives um, because that can definitely change our, our mindset and our stress levels, but also as we move through every day is going to be different and we're all just in it together and things are going to happen and things are going to change along the way and we'll all have to be really flexible. So being able to identify our own levels of stress 
and physically when where that manifests because if we can feel that and name it and be aware of it then we can also use our own strategies to begin to deal with it in the moment which can help us in those moments of challenging times which will be really important again as we um, bring kids back to model that calmness and so in order to model that calmness we'll really have to have tools to help ourselves um, feel there and be aware of our friends and our colleagues on staff too and be um, be an ear for them and be, you know, that smile or that, hey, what do you need? What can I do? Um, because we really, we really are in it together. For sure. I think that like, um, that's a good point because I think a lot of times when we approach a school year, it's a, lo a lot about like planning for what, what am I going to do with my kids? Like it's all about best practice in the classroom and like, how am I going to plan um, this subject or how am I going to do my centers or how am I going to do this or how am I going to do that? But I think this year it's going to have to be some sort of a shift to plan more for the well-being and 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 um, really making sure that people and not not only us but like that kids feel safe and that safety and that and that well-being is going to probably take precedent over a lot of the things that we normally um, I guess value and and put a lot of time into. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think as teachers, we like to have control, right? Exactly. Because we're well-planned, we're organized, we like we like things a certain way, and if we, you know, we're planners. Um, and it'll be important to know that we can't control a lot of things this year. And um, even though we have those outlined plans, things are going to change, and we really, really do have to be flexible. And we have to be patient with each other, and we have to... Um, make sure that we aren't using judgment around some of the decisions our families are making, maybe what our colleagues are making. Uh, we really just need to practice patience, tolerance, grace um, as we return for each other, our students uh, and our families. I think if we can keep that at the forefront, we'll, we'll all be okay. Steph, I know right now um, a lot of teachers are on social media and they are reading a lot of the comments around um, the plan that was um, put out the other day um, and they're feeling like you said that anxiety and that's okay but what advice or recommendations do you have to help encourage us to shift our mindset to try to look on the positive side during this whole pandemic and the uncertainty and the unknowns that are coming forward this fall you know I think at the end of the day it's coming and we know that and um we really have to put trust in um, our teams, both in our schools and at our division level. We have incredible people um, that are making really, really tough decisions. And I think it's easy to get caught up in the negative, but if we can band together and kind of provide that positivity and that support for our leaders, um, that will naturally uh, trickle down. And I think if we can each make the individual choice to find something positive in it, there's that ripple effect, right? The other thing I would I would um, encourage and challenge people to do uh, right off the hop, even as they, as they join in staff meetings, and I would encourage teachers to do this in their classroom too, is find that cheerfulness and find uh, and model that cheerfulness. Um, I think about, you know, we've all been inundated by so much bad stuff. So let's flip the script. Let's intentionally flip the script. Instead of focusing on all the bad stuff, let's intentionally look for the good news. And I think about John Krasinski and when he started that some good yeah. news, he had his kids right on a poster. He jumped on social media, just started sharing some positive stories that were happening around 
um, North America and look at how it took off. People want the positive. People want to hear the good things. They want to find the joy. So if we can model that for each other and if we can model that for our students, I would encourage people to begin the day with a good news story. Start your staff meetings with good news stories. Start your assemblies with good news stories because there's many going on. And if we can challenge our students, they're going to they're going to follow examples. And if they find that their teachers are getting stuck in that kind of complaining mode around what's happening and and you know whatever happened you know what what could happen with ppes or transitions or staggered starts or you know staggered lunches and if if we start demonstrating that we're getting caught up in that negativity that will the, the kids will follow by example so if we can flip that script intentionally and find some of those good pieces and really make that part of our ritual and our routine like if you can start the morning each day where maybe each student comes each day with a new good news story um i really would encourage people to to find the joy and and model the cheerfulness that's it's it will change the the feeling of of a building but we have to intentionally make that decision well i think one thing we can control is the relationship building that goes on in the classroom and that's what this all seems like it's going like it's always important but now more than ever uh meaningful and deep relationships are going to get us through this and get us on the other side. And I'm hoping that it will be even better than before. This is, I see a lot of silver linings and a lot of opportunities uh, here. But what are maybe some of the things that we can keep our eyes open for uh, when the fall runs out to to kind of, you know, maybe give a student an extra help or a teacher an extra help? What are some maybe some um, some cues that we should maybe be looking for to, to help some people out if, if they need it? I think we just need to practice being aware. We need to practice being self-aware and how we are projecting whatever we're feeling. We need to be aware of our colleagues um, and read the social cues. We need to be very aware of our students. And if I can get uh, our, 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 all of our staff to think about one thing as we open the doors, it's connection, connection, connection. How have we been connecting with our kids while they've been away from us? And how do we continue um, to plan on connecting with our kids when the school doors open? Again, what is our ritual of connection in the classroom and school-wide? How, what are our procedures school-wide? Are we at all the entrances um, greeting our kids? Are we saying their names? Are we making eye contact with them? That is going to um, stimulate that prefrontal cortex, which is a natural regulator. You will see kids light up when they know when they're then when they hear their names. So what are we doing school-wide? What are we doing in our classrooms to connect? And also, if we have the opportunity, it's going to be a very busy year, but I think about myself as a parent and how I would appreciate this and the impact it could make for both of my kids. If we could connect with our parents and say, tell me what your child has been experiencing. Think about how powerful that can be for, um, for a parent, but also the information that you can get that you may not have otherwise been privy to. Um, there could have been a death in the family. There could have been challenges around learning. There could have been um, a myriad of things that, that may have happened. Or they might say, you know what? Things were really great. My, my child's really excited to get back to school. My child is really excited to learn about this. On both sides of it, you're going to get some really incredible information. And also on the other end of that, 
um, we need to connect with our kids in that manner, right? Like the learning will come. We need to focus on getting our kids in a place where they are emotionally ready to learn. And the more we can learn by connecting with them and getting some more information from them, that's going to bring them along, right? So we talked about in, um, I, I have, I did two presentations, one for elementary and one for high school, all about the, the social emotional well-being upon return. And one of the things we had talked about school-wide is as a staff doing something like a connections assessment. And um, when you get through that first three days or you have some time as a staff, you know, potentially putting out all your class lists and everybody goes through each of those class lists and puts their initial by a student that they know or have connected to or know something about. At the end of that, you've got information around who is not connected to any adult in the school and that can help you create a caring connections plan so none of your students go um, without having some type of interaction or relationship with an adult. On the flip side of that, you could do something called the 100% project or um, Michelle Borba talks about that a lot um, or we call it maybe the ally project in high school where at, it, it, when you receive your kids on the first day, you give them a card and on the card, on one side is their name and on the other side, you ask them to tell you um, one or two adults in the school that they feel like they could go to if they had a concern or a problem. And that gives you feedback from them around who they feel connected to. And again, if you have students sending something that says, you know what, I really don't feel connected to anyone, there's where we create those caring connection plans. So lots of ways that we can that we can build that connection both in the classroom and school-wide and really thinking about how we can um, drive empathy, right? Feeling with another human being because empathy fuels connection and we are all craving that right now. And the best way to teach empathy is to model it. So again, I go back to greeting kids, getting eye contact, saying their name, you know, um, being Dr. Jody Carrington, who we have lots of fans of Dr. Jody Carrington in our division. Uh, lots of people are going to relit on August 22nd, her virtual presentation, Bring the Brave. Uh, she wrote a book called Kids These Days. The RCSTA very generously purchased an online, uh, her online uh, learning modules for each chapter of her book. She talks about being the light up and you think about some of your favorite people in your whole world. They bring a big light up when you see them and that warms your heart immediately and makes you feel seen and cared for and valued. Everyone's light up is going to be different. I have a big light up. I'm pretty animated. People know my light up. <laughs> Somebody else's might up light up might be, um, you know, a squint in their eye and a little and a shy smile. But your kids know what your light up is. So it doesn't matter what your light up looks like. It's if you do it or not. So there comes that self-awareness. If we're aware we're not in a good space, it might take a little bit extra time to get that light up going. But think about the impact that has on everyone around you. So, again, it's not how you do it it's it's if you do it and sometimes um the kids that are 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 bring the most challenges are the hardest to light up for so we really need to be aware of that as the adults right and think about who needs our light up the most so the other thing i would say to uh dean is kids are craving connection with each other so especially with you as connected educators and all the cool things you do in bringing um technology to the table uh, and how you're implementing technology into your learning, how can we facilitate opportunities to continue to learn in small groups? And I think teachers were doing a bang up job of that during remote learning. They were accessing teams in whole new different ways. They were creating chat rooms, they were creating pods and 
creating lots of different opportunities for kids to still connect and we'll want to keep doing that right so how do we want to continue on with learning pod, learning pods pair and share cooperative learning jigsaws and how can you build as connected ed new and diverse ways in doing that um because the more we can do as kid, we have kids physically you know, in the event that we ever had to to move to a hybrid model or some type of remote learning again, we will have so many new skills at our fingertips that people have Perfect. already developed in the last. I like how week. you brought the technology part in. Our connected educators, both of my kids, um, have been in connected ed educator classrooms, and it's just they love it. They thrive. It's just I am so excited that we do this in Regina Catholic. Definitely. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, or does anybody else have another question? Or well, I do. You know me, Dean. You oh, that's know good. Me. I get on a soapbox, so I just I I would love to touch on one more subject area, if that's okay. Uh, one of the things we had talked about was how do we best support our students and families who are coming with anxiety um, about the fall. I think, again, just like I said, with us as staff, we need to hold space with those feelings and offer opportunities to have the conversations and really um, feel like we're able to talk about it and be heard and ask the questions. The same goes with our kids and our families. We need to um, hold space with those feelings and concerns. We need to acknowledge them. Again, we need to suspend judgment. People are going to come with different levels of, of comfort. Um, and we also want to, with each other and listening and in listening to conversations with our kids, we want to avoid comparison. And I go back again to Dr. Jody. Um, she and Jeremy Allen, uh, who is a funeral director in Alberta, um, they do a lot of uh, PD together and they talk a lot about how we can't compare experiences like one is more significant. Perception is a function of experience to the person feeling it. And a pound of pain is a pound of pain. And I'll give you an example. And, and I talked about this in, in those presentations um, that we've recorded for people to access in the fall. Um, I'll, the example I used was my, uh, I wasn't able to go to Ontario to visit my sister this year. And I don't get to see my sister very often. And this was a big trip we had planned as a family. We hadn't been there for years. And I was really down about it and grieving that. And then one of my friends, fathers passed away and in that moment I immediately thought I can't Kate I don't get to feel the way I'm feeling that's nothing compared to what she is going through right now and so right away there's that comparison fact factor when really we can't do that to ourselves and to each other that pain that we're all feeling is pain that we're perceiving so we can't compare it and we have to be careful with our colleagues and with our students when they're sharing experiences too because that can sometimes sometimes happen. Uh, the one thing if I could encourage teachers to think about in their classrooms, we have to teach our kids coping skills. Uh, because right now, they're going eat our kids that are predisposed to anxious behaviors um, and, and anxiety, uh, they're going to come even more elevated. But we're also going to have our typical functioning kids who seem to just roll with it. They're going to be having concerns and worries too, right? So you might see different levels of acting out in your classroom or frustration or emotion or, um, again, worry or crying. So this is a great opportunity for us to do the teaching with all and with everyone. And, and those of you who have worked with me in a class consult know I talk a lot about those tier one universal supports, meeting the needs of all of our kids. So I would love for you to think about um, 
how we have opportunities to do this in our classroom. And I focus lots on those morning gatherings, those morning meetings. So when you come together as a class, that's your opportunity to bring your group together and connect with your whole group and have some of those um, the, that intentional teaching. It allows you to set the tone for the day. Um, it allows you to develop emotional literacy, identify emotions, name feelings, you know, that whole you got to name it to tame it and practice strategies to manage big emotions. So one thing that we want to try doing with our kids is um, some of those grounding skills, right? If kids are coming and we can see everyone's kind of revving at different levels, create stillness, practice those grounding skills, teach kids breathing strategies and not and, and intentional breathing strategies, proper breathing strategies. That's something that they can use in their back pocket at any time, whether they're at school or whether they're not at school, drop their shoulders, feel it in their bodies, be present in the moment. Um, so if we can take some time to ground ourselves and our students, prayer, we are so uh, fortunate and blessed to be in a faith community where we are able to pray together, which is a natural, mindful way to become present in the moment, be thankful, pray for others, create intentions, um, and also create daily empathy practices. Again, if we, we want to cultivate empathy, we have to model empathy. So maybe in our classrooms, creating things like two kind rules, like you let's, let's very all intentionally try to do two kind things today. We'll come back together. We'll check in. How did it make the other person feel? How did it make you feel? There's journaling opportunities. Again, great ways you can tie activities together with your connected ed teachers. Get creative. Think outside the box. What can you do together on, in that, in that forum? We also have to help kids identify when their stress levels are rising. So these morning, these morning um, meetings, these check-ins throughout the day, it's a great way for us to help kids physically identify where they feel stress and then give them strategies to manage that. So again, the breathing is great. I am a big fan of mindfulness strategy of the 54321 where you use your senses. So I just did it today uh, as I was feeling kind of revvy. I sat on my deck close my eyes, what are five things I could hear, what were four things I could see, what were three things I could touch, what were two things that I could smell, and what was one thing that I could taste. Um, so you very intentionally bring yourself into um, that present moment and naturally regulate those those feelings and that stress. You can literally body scans too, right? If kids are sitting in desks um, and you can have them do a body scan and feel where's your head, where are your shoulders at, feel you know the tension, leave your arms, make your hands tight and then make them loose, feel your feet on the floor. All of those intentional grounding skills will help uh, bring those stress levels down and encourage the the learning levels right bring them to a space where they're they're ready to learn so that's a lot to take in right i'm not saying do it all i'm saying pick one thing and bring your kids into it what works for you what works for you as a teenager what works for you as a as a little what works for you in those middle years pick one thing that your kids feel like they'd like to focus on and really and teach it. We can't tell them what to do. We got to show them and and spend time doing it together. See what type of um, of if that has a, a change or an impact in your class. And if it doesn't, let's work on a new strategy or let's continue to build um, build our toolboxes. Right? Uh, teachers hear me lot talking lots about chill out zones and, or cozy corners in their classrooms. We need to have spaces where kids know they can access some of those tools in the event that you're teaching and they don't want to interrupt, but they know they can't manage in those moments. 
But again, that takes teaching and practicing and conversation around it, right? But the more work we can do proactively and preventatively, we're going to reduce the likelihood of having to deal in a reactive situation, right? So we really want to think about that skill building piece and that regulation piece and that emotional regulation piece as we move into our classrooms. So that would be one thing I would I would encourage teachers to think about too. How are you beginning your day? How are you gathering your group? How are you setting the tone? How are we addressing some of that emotional literacy? What does check-ins look like, especially with, with recesses potentially being alternated and all those pieces? We can have quick meetings after in order to uh, deal with any issues that might have occurred or any questions so that that's not going to interrupt the learning that needs to happen. Take a minute or two on the front end. And again, at the end of the day, find five minutes to come together as a group. The bell doesn't dismiss, right? We want to make sure we allow us enough time so kids aren't running out of the room. We come together as a group. You have a closing meeting. There's so many cool things you can do. Primary, there's those 20 days of affirmations. Louise Burridge has a great calming kit for classrooms, and she does this thing called affirmations where, you know, I am brave, I am strong, I am kind, I am patient. You take one of those affirmations, and everyone can say why they're brave, what happened that day. And if they don't want to, if they want to pass, maybe they say something about somebody else. Um, in our middle years and high school um, classrooms, you can do something called the AHA Apology Appreciation. And if you want to see a model of that, you can look it up. Edutopia puts out a one-minute video modeling it in the classroom where you come together as a group and kids can, and it's just upon them offering, but they can come up with an, uh, share an AHA moment, an apology they might want to share with the group, or an appreciation from the day. What a great way to end with community and continue to develop that empathy and feeling together. So just some of those pieces, we want to think about how we're going to tie that into our day to continue to meet those needs of our kids. Perseverance is one other thing. Um, Michelle Borba, again, talks about that a lot. Um, and if you haven't seen, um, or she's got a ton of webinars on right now. I just tweeted one out yesterday she did with a school division in the States. Uh, she also has a couple of webinars on, on the Character Strong website. Uh, she wrote the book, well, she's got a ton of books, but her most recent one is called Unselfie, Developing Empathy, and I, I'm going to lose the title now, uh, Kids with Empathy and All About Self-World. But she talks a lot about how we develop the nine habits of, of empathy. Uh, and she talks a lot about how, you know, our kids who have been away from us and they're going to struggle with sticking to hard things, right? Persevering through through hard things. So we really need to, to think about how we want to um, lay out the steps in doing hard things, providing that clear teaching and then being by their sides, cheering them on, like don't give up. So a lot of information, but like I said, pick one or two things that you really want to focus on and think about how you're setting up that day to continue to bring the group together and do those check-ins. And, you know, just as a final note, we're building resilience. We want to build resilient kids, right? Resilience is a process. It's not a program. It's teachable and it's ongoing. It's never too late to develop resilience, no matter what age. Our, you know, our kids' brains don't stop forming until, you know, between 21 and 25. It's not fixed in our DNA. So resilience begins with caring adults. So don't ever underestimate the power you have as a teacher and as a colleague, as a family member, as a friend, don't ever underestimate the power you have to change the trajectory of a student's day or even life. Because we as teachers are 
amazing. We have staff, IAs, office managers, our custodians. We are all in it together. Our bus drivers, we are all educators and uh, we're here to take care of our, our kids and our community. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was awesome. a, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I warned you. I warned you. Oh, this is good. Hey, you came as advertised as always. Uh, <laughs> very much appreciate. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Steph, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us. And you are such a an awesome resource, an awesome person. You you are such a valued member of our school division, and we cannot thank you enough for um, all that information. Aw, yeah. you just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like like I said, like I think this year it's kind of a unique, unfortunate opportunity, but I think we're going to see some relationship building and connectedness that we have never seen before. And I think that's one positive that I'm kind of looking forward to, to seeing how our buildings and how each school, each classroom, each little community um, is really going to connect and really going to see some of those benefits of the relationship and how we can all kind of, we'll, we'll get through it together. And, and I think you, you definitely put us on the right foot with everything you just said. So, yeah, we can't thank you enough for, for Looking all forward that. To the chat on this for thanks sure. For yeah, for sure. And thanks for all you guys do. I, I think these types of opportunities to come together and, and all of the opportunities you provide your Connected Educator Group to continue having these conversations and um, maybe explore things they may not have had the option to. Like, thanks for all the work you guys do. I think this is super creative and and you guys are the epitome of thinking outside the box and, and great leaders. So thanks for all you do. No problem. All right. Well, that is it for our first podcast. So thank you for listening to RCSD Podcast TV. Um, and we'll be uh, in touch in the next couple of days as well.